Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today. We pray that this message blesses you and encourages you. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just look us up at newriverchurch.org. God bless you. Amen. It's good to be with you and um, uh, to worship together one more time. Um, so we are going to talk about uh, spiritual gifts this morning, and um, I hope you have your Bibles. Uh, we're going to thumb through a little bit. If you don't have your Bible, then I hope you have a phone with you <laughs> so we could thumb through uh, this way uh, on the phone to, to open up some scripture together. <clears throat> and we're going to be looking at um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter chapters 12 through 14. And um, uh, I'm not going to read all of that scripture. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. Um, I'm not going to read all that scripture. We're going to kind of jump through and survey that scripture um, and talk about uh, spiritual gifts and, and what God is doing in the church. Could you give me that? <laughs> Thank you. I love my wife. <laughs> I do. Amen. Okay. Would it be bad if I put this here? Okay, I don't want to, you know, anyway, you'll be all right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Did you ever watch this show? There was a show on, on TLC called um, I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. Did you ever watch that show? Um, there were a bunch of, of, of young women who actually, this was their story. They, they found out that they were pregnant like as they were about to give birth. Like, I know some of you are looking at me like, this is crazy, really? Uh, others of you have seen it and were just like, that's not true. That couldn't have happened. But uh, I actually think that, that it happened. I actually believe some of those stories were, were really true. Did, did you remember, some of you that have seen it, um, they would tell the story of how they, you know, they might have felt a little weird, but, you know, it just kind of went away, or they chalked it up to something else, and, um, and then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're at work, or they're at school, or at home, and they realize that, you know, they have to take a bio break, and the next thing you know, their water broke, and then they have to go to the hospital and deliver a baby. I always thought that was really interesting because I was like, wow, there's something on the inside of you that's growing for nine months. And, and you had really, you had no idea. You like, you just had no idea. And, and, then, and then maybe you had some signs, but you chalked it up to something else. Like, you know, I had some, some pizza too late at night or, you know, something like that. You chalk it up to something else. So there are these signs of something growing and something happening on the inside, and it, they go uh, ignored. And then the next time that you, that you come to realize that something is about to happen is when you least expect it. Like, it's just completely unexpected, and then you realize, wow, I'm giving birth. And, and, and then the birth process, it, it, it might be quick, it might be long, um, it could be painful. It might not have a whole lot of pain. Most of you 
uh, in this room, ladies that have given birth, you probably experienced some pain, I would gather. And then the baby comes, and, and it's completely unique. Like, it's, it's not like anything else, not like anybody else. I mean, yeah, maybe it might have your eyes and might have his, his head, but it's completely unique, completely different. Well, that, that's kind of how I see spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. You can be carrying someone who, who's growing and alive on the inside of you and not even know. And then there are times when you recognize that, that he's actually stirring or moving, but you chalk it up to something else. You, you, you say, oh, well, no, that wasn't him. You ever had this experience? You, you, you have this idea or you have this thought and you say, yeah, you know, I should call this person or, you know, I... I I should probably make a meal for so-and-so, you know. And then you you have the thought, and you're like, I'm not going to do that, right? There are all these signs that it's something on the inside trying to come out. And and, and then one day comes, and it actually starts to happen. Something starts to come. It's a little bit painful because you're like, whoa, what is this? What's going on? It's almost like there's a, a, a tussle, a wrestle, a tug of war as to whether you're going to allow this one who's in you out. It could be quick. It might take a long time. But for each person, it's completely unique. What comes is completely different. That's spiritual gifts. You have, you have God, the spirit of Jesus, Paul says in Romans 8, 9, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God on the inside of you. I mean, we could take the rest of today trying to figure all of that out. And there's an infinite God on the inside of finite you. And he wants out. (laughs) It's like, I'm trying to get out. Can you let me go? And when he sends you signs, I mean, it's not just you. Look, we're, just, we're talking, right? So it's me too, right? I'm not, I'm not picking on you. But we get these signs, right, where he wants to come out, and then we kind of chalk it up to something else. And we go through the pain of, of giving birth. Well, this is, what was, uh, this is what I see as happening in the body of Christ today. That, that there's something on the inside really, really wanting to get out. But in the context of, of the scripture that we're going to look at today in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, it was a little bit different. The Corinthian church was an extremely gifted church, and they knew it. They knew about all of their gifts. They invented all of the spiritual gift surveys and assessments. Like, they knew all of that stuff. They had it down. There was no question about their giftedness, and they were trying to flaunt it. Why? Well, I think it has something to do with their history, right? The Corinthian church, the church in Corinth, um, was, was settled by uh, or caused to be settled by Julius Caesar. He, he commanded the resettlement of this city that had once been destroyed. Around 44 BC, he commands the resettlement. And, and the people largely that go and resettle this city are freed slaves from across the region. 
And when they get there, they start working hard. They, they start grinding it out. And, and, and all of a sudden, this city starts to become a bustling trade center, a metropolitan center where everybody is wanting to come. They have business people from all across the region coming to Corinth just to set up shop. And they did. They set up shop. They made money. Some of these folks that became these new rich people, right, the nouveau riche, some of them were, were of an, a slave lineage, like, this is the story of, you know, like Fred, uh, Frank Sinatra, you know, New York, New York. Like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, you know? And, you know it's up to you, Corinth. No, that's not how it goes. But that was the sentiment. And they came and they, they, they basically jockeyed for position. Can you imagine the mentality of people who come from from very, 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 very poor beginnings. And now you have the opportunity to make something of yourself. The gospel is not here. There are multiple gods. And everybody is out for themselves, jockeying for position. They, you saw it in, the, um, they had it in politics, they had it in business, they had it in performing and visual arts, they had it in uh, speech and oratory, right? Everybody was competing. Everybody wanted to be the best. In fact, one of the best ways to be the best was to like build something and then put your name on it, right? Do we do that today? Where, where we build, you know, some family builds a building and then they put their name on it, you know, or their, their ancestor's name on it, right? These folks did the same thing. They would, they would build a little courtyard, and then they would put their name on it. It said, this was, was paid for by Erastus. And then the next thing you know, Erastus is uh, head of the city council. Hey, how did that happen? You know, a day ago, he was nobody. Then he builds this courtyard, and now he's... And they were constantly doing that. And what was happening was that their... their uh, those divisions that were coming up, that had come up in their culture after uh, Paul had preached there and churches had, had started to form, these little house churches, um, those divisions that were in the culture came into the church. You know, they, they encounter Jesus and, and, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and now they have all of these gifts and they're using their gifts to jockey for position, just like they were using courtyards to jockey for position before. You know, who's the best? Who's the greatest? Which gift is the best? Right? I know some people would say, oh, man, you know, the, uh, we just came out of the Revelation study, and some people would say, oh, my gosh, you know, the way Pastor Doug preached, you know, Revelation and stuff. Oh, man, he was, that was amazing. I could never do anything like that. And you just, just diminish right? You, you make yourself small in the face of seeing another gift, not recognizing that you've got God on the inside of you and he wants to get out. Amen. What I do is small. I just, you know, I like, to, I like to pray and it's just really quiet and stuff. That's God on the inside of you wanting to get out. But I just, I help people every once. That's God on the inside of you, wanting to get out. Let's read some scripture and make it legal. 1 Corinthians 12, 
now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here, here's where we want to land. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. The gifts are different. They are. We can look at gift lists, and, and none of the gift lists, gift, gift lists excuse me, are exhaustive. None of them are exhaustive. So if you look at a gift list and you say, oh, well, you know, this gift isn't on here. It's not complete. It's just Paul is just running down this stuff. He's responding to what he's heard. This is a letter. We're hearing the other side of the telephone call, right? We're not hearing the whole thing. We didn't hear what the first part of this telephone call, this first letter that came to Paul that he's responding to. We're just hearing this. And so there are all these different types of gifts but the emphasis is that it's the same spirit. There are all different ways for those gifts to, to operate and, and, and to use them in service, but it's the same Lord. There's, there are all different kinds of ways to implement and work in those gifts, but it is the same God. Why do I say this? Because the one who is in you wants to get out. And it's not about how you perceive your gifts. It's about God doing his work. God wants to do his work. He, he, he loves us so much that he wants to work. He wants to work around us, but he doesn't want to just use you. He wants to work with you. I, I think this is where a lot of times we, we kind of muddy the waters when it comes to spiritual gifts. It's not about you using a gift. It's about you allowing yourself to be used with God. It's, there's a cooperation here. There's a withness. You know, we just sang some songs, one of the songs, Another in the Fire, and, and, and I, I know it's about battle and, and about struggle and recognizing that in your difficulty, God is with you. But when is God not with you? Yeah, we need to remember that he's, he's with us when we struggle. But, but one thing we need to really take into account is he's never not with you. And while he's with you, God is always wanting to do his work. Do, a, do me a favor and just turn in your Bible or in your phone to John chapter 5. Jesus had been, um, he, had been, he had been doing some stuff nobody liked. 
well, some people liked it. Some people just really hated it. He was healing on the Sabbath. This was a no-no. Uh, uh, Jesus had, had, had just been at the pool of Bethesda, and there was a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years, and this man got healed, and the, the Jewish leaders saw it, and they were like, they were completely outraged. You are breaking the law. This is why we're subjugated. This is why we're going through all of this pain. This is why Rome is occupying our cities. It's because you people keep breaking the holy law. Jesus, how are you going to do this, right, on the Sabbath day? So he uses that in order to teach him something. He says um, in John uh, chapter 5, verse 16, says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling his own father God, making himself equal with God. And Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Look, Jesus said, when is the best day to do something good? I mean, is there a better day than, than the Sabbath? My father is always working. He's always, what do you mean? But the Sabbath is the day we're supposed to rest. But God is always at work. He's always doing good. He's always sharing his heart. He's always shining light. He's, he's always loving. He's always caring for people. And he's always on the inside of us wanting to come out and do and be all of those things. Always. Different gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. But it's the same God who's doing the work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is why we have spiritual gifts. It's for the church and the not yet church. It's for the already church and the not yet church. That's why we have spiritual gifts. It's for us in this room and, and those who will be in this room at 11 and those who are on, online watching, it's for all of us here that call ourselves, uh, you know, um, partners here, members here at New River Church, right? We call this place home. But there is a not yet church outside of here. And it's for the common good. It's for everybody. It's for us to share. It's... It's a gift that God gives us, and everybody else gets to unwrap it. So you, you sit there and you say, well, what do I have to offer? What do I have to give? What, what is it on the inside of me that I have to give? I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know that it's God. And I know that when you obey what he's speaking on the inside and you release him, there is a power that's released. 
So, so maybe it's, it's helping people and serving people. When you serve people and help people, they get a manifestation of God. There's a, a revealing of God's presence. That word manifestation of the Spirit actually means an appearance. God makes an appearance when you actually let the gift out. He shows up. So when I was talking with, uh, I was talking with, uh, with Mike Yaka about this, and, and talking about uh, the, the working that, that he's done, you know, if you've seen the beautiful tables that are here over in the common, I'm calling it the common now. I'm calling it the common, Doug. I'm sorry. Because I don't have another name for this. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. I'm calling it the common. There's some beautiful tables over there. And I'm like, Mike, you did a great job on the tables. And he's like, it wasn't me. I was like, what do you mean it wasn't you? I'm did, We've been waiting for you to bring these tables. No, it wasn't me. It was all God. And I said, so you're trying to tell me God made the tables because now I'm, I'm busting them. I'm messing with them now. I said, you're telling me God made those tables? He was like, yep. And so Bella was there, his daughter, and, I, and she said, I helped. I was like, so you helped God make the tables? Did you see him? What, was, what did he look like? What was it like? She didn't know what to do with that question. She kind of... <laughs> I understood what Mike was saying. We talked about it. He was saying that he gives God all the credit. God is the one who, who was working in him and through him, but God gets all the credit. And I get that. God gets all the credit. He gets all the credit. Because nothing would have happened if it wasn't God. He was the, the initiator of it all. Jesus in this passage, though, in John 5, he's not talking about credit. He's talking about how he looks at operating with God. He says, my father is working and I am too. And there's a consciousness, there's an acknowledgement, there's a thought process when you know that there's something on the inside of you that wants to get out and is always at work. You can start thinking, God wants to do something in this moment, me too. God, God wants to change somebody's life, me too. God wants to have impact, God wants to have influence, God wants to move, me too. And you can go into a situation, you can go to work, you can go to school, you could go to the grocery store, and the same God wants to show up. And he will use little old me and little old you to make an appearance for somebody's life. Let's jump through. The body is a unit, though it, this is verse 12, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. This room is filled with different people, look different, sound different, act different, think differently, and you have different gifts, but we're one body. There's no one that's better than the other. There's no gift hierarchy here where, you know, the, the teaching and exhortation gift that stands on the platform and is, is explaining the word of God is somewhat better in some way 
than the person who has this gift of mercy and has this heart that is just open and willing to help anybody who's in need. That's both God. God wants us to understand. God, God wants to teach us. God wants to instruct us. But God's heart is so big that when somebody is hurting, he, blessed are those who mourn. <laughs> right? He shows up. He makes an appearance with hurting people. That's why he says mourn with those who mourn. Why? Because if somebody is going through something and I join them in what they're going through, God makes an appearance. He shows up. Man, I don't know. I'm getting excited. I don't know about you guys. But when I think about the fact, or just to even, just think about this, right? You could be minding your own business. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of a conversation, God shows up. But if we're not thinking that he wants to and that he will do it through me, guess what? It goes completely out of bounds. Like you will not say the things that God might want you to say. You might not do what God wants you to do because you're thinking, oh, that's just, I'm just thinking wrong. That's something else. So uh, that wasn't God. He didn't tell me to do that. Or we'll completely miss all the signs. And then you have this baby that wants to come out and we won't give birth to him. Why? Why think that, that, that you're less than? Why, why think, why think that, 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 that something is wrong with you or because you're, the way you do it a little bit differently, it might make you seem weird. You're not weird. You're not weird. You just do it differently. It's, it's not weird. God made an appearance when you did what you did. He showed up. Okay. All right. Philippians 2.13, I just say it in passing, says, says, for it is God who works, works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's working in you to do what he always has wanted to do. How does this work, right? Because it's not going to work if we're always comparing and competing, right? Because that's what was going on in Corinth, right? There was a lot of comparison and there was a lot of competition, well, this person's gift isn't as good as that. And this person is not as good as that one. Listen, you want to talk about division? Start comparing. You've, you've just blown up the unity in your group. The moment you compare. Why are you comparing? Why, is, why are you not good enough? Why is somebody else's gift better than who you are? Better than the gift that God has given you? What about the appearance that God makes in you is so much less than the appearance that God makes in somebody else? It's the same God. It's the same God. This one is more talented, and I don't have this gift, and I don't have that talent. Who cares? You are an opportunity for somebody to have an encounter with God. Do you realize the magnitude of that? Do you realize how powerful that is? We're talking about revelation and putting the fight back in you and putting you back in the fight. You won't fight if you don't think that you have anything to give. And if you focus only on you, you will miss God. Don't miss God in this. He wants to get out. 
Don't miss the signs. He's, he's moving in you. He wants to work with you. His mission is to change the entire world. He can't do that with just two people. Do you realize this? The, the, the world's not going to change with just three or four people moving. If, if, you, if you don't do anything, the world does not change. Oh, well, God could do it himself. Yeah, he can. He chooses to use you and work with you. How does this work? It works through love. See, love is not comparison. That's not love. You're not loving yourself by comparing yourself to other people. Love is not competition. That's not love. That's not love. So the moment you get into the competing mode, you've left love behind. That's division. You know who really loves division? I'll tell you, there's one, one person in the universe loves division more than anything else, and his name is Satan. Comparing and competing is Satan. Just saying, be you. Be the unique you. And, and stop trying to make other people you. That's pride. I feel like you need to do this this way. No, stop that. No, 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 no. You are robbing somebody of an encounter with God when you try and make somebody else just like you. You can't make somebody like you. I can present an opportunity for you to grow, but I can't make you like me. I don't even know what like me is. Like, you don't want to be like me. If you knew, there's a lot of stuff you wouldn't want to be in me. And there's a lot of stuff in you. We all got stuff. But how come your stuff has to be so bad that you have to compete and compare and be with somebody, be somebody else? That's not love. And so this is what Paul says. He knew that this was in the church. So he goes into 1 Corinthians 13 where everybody has had this read at their wedding and it's really about division. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, I serve everybody in the world, give everything I have to the poor, but have not love, I gain nothing. So this is what the Corinthian church was not doing, right? We're going to read. This is what they weren't doing. Love is patient. These folks were impatient. They were always ready for somebody to sit down and somebody else to stand up. That was one of their big issues. Love is patient. Love is kind. They weren't kind to each other. They were always trying to outdo one another. It does not envy. Oh, yeah, they envied each other. That's what comparison and competition does. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. 
No, love is not self-seeking. Love is self-sacrificial. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So, so what we see here, you know, as you read this, you know, if you go back and you want to read this, you read 1 Corinthians 12 is about the gifts. And the 13, 13 is about the graces that make the gifts work. And then 14 is about the governance or the way that we're supposed to operate in the gifts. They all hinge on this middle piece of 1 Corinthians 13. How you operate in the gifts and what the gifts are all hinge on 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love. Well, Pastor Kenny, how do I, how do I grow in my gift? Grow in love. How do, how, do I, how do I see God show up through my gift? Grow in love. Love God and love other people. But wait, it's got to be more than that. No, God is really simple. He doesn't make things complex because he knows we're not that bright. It's just the truth. He knows that we're not that smart. So he says, let me keep it simple for you. Love God. Love people. Your gifts will flow. They will flow. I, I, I think I have a gift for the prophecy. Okay, you might. You might. I want to grow in that gift. You most definitely can. How can I grow? Start loving. Start loving God more. Start loving people more. It'll come right out of you. There was a young lady in the church that, where I used to serve, and um, I used to uh, hear this young lady. Um, she would, you know, people would just, you know, they would come up. She was a part of the, uh, she was a part of one of the prayer groups. And um, one day after church, I'm walking and, you know, my wife is with me. One day we're after church, somebody is asking her to pray and she starts praying. And then all of a sudden she's praying and the person starts crying. She's, the person is boo-hoo crying. Boo-hoo crying. Now, I knew why this person was crying because this lady had been in my office the week prior for counsel. She was having issues with her husband, and she was like, I don't know what to do. He's, you know, he's, he's doing stuff outside of marriage and blah, 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 okay? And so they're, they're praying, and the woman is boo-hoo crying. And so I, the, the young girl, she's like, well, Pastor Kenny, what happened? You know, I don't know why she was crying like that. I said, listen, sweetheart, you, you have a gift of prophecy. You just prophesied the woman's whole situation in prayer. She had no idea what was going on. It was the most beautiful thing. It's, I, I was talking with Pastor Doug this past week. It's one of the best ways for you to operate in your gifts. It's like, almost like you don't even know what's happening. It's just natural. It's like giving birth. It's just natural. There might be some pain. There's some tussle sometimes because you're wrestling with yourself. What should I say? Maybe I shouldn't say it. Then when you let go, yeah, it's going to come. It's going to come out. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to people in prayer and I've, I've heard, their, heard them speak words of life that are just their exhortation, their wisdom, their knowledge. It's stuff that they shouldn't know. And it just comes up. And then on the other hand, I've seen people actually give something small 
Like, it, it wasn't even significant. I've seen people in their giving, they give a meal to somebody and the per- person breaks down in tears. I was praying that somebody would actually show me. I was praying that God would show me that he loved me. And I said, Lord, if, if, if this person comes and brings me <laughs> a meal, I'll know you love me. I was just praying that. And then the person shows up. You thought it was nothing. Because you, you made chicken and you had extra, so you decided to take it to Sister Jane. But listen, you didn't know Sister Jane had been praying for that. God made an appearance. It happens with love. You love more, your gifts flow more. Follow the way of love, Corinthians 14, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love. So let's go to this slide, guys. Here's what we're going to do. The first thing, we need to grow in love. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus breaks down the two most important commandments. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. One of the reasons why some of us are having such a different, difficult time loving other people is because we don't really love ourselves well. And part of loving God is receiving the love that he has for you. If you want stuff to, you want the gates, the floodgates to open, start loving you, loving God, and loving other people. You will see floodgates open. A second thing you do is assessment. Some of you did this in your life groups. Some of you didn't. Some of you online are like, what are, we, what are you talking about? Well, there's an assessment. There are several. There are many different spiritual gift assessments. If you want the one that we just did in some of our life groups, you could just email me, kenny at newriverchurch.org. I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, it will tell you or help you to try and identify or start to identify what are your gifts. And then if you actually do this in community with other people, there are people that can affirm those gifts that are in you. They could actually say, yeah, I, I actually do see that in you. I remember you did X, Y, Z, and yeah, that might be part of how God has designed you and how he uses you. And then the third thing is pray, listen, and act. You can know that you have a gift and never even operate in it, right? Because you are not acting upon it, not asking for it, not saying anything about it. But a good question to ask, God, what are you doing in this place where I am right now? That's a really good question to ask. I've gone into stores and I say, God, what are you doing in here? Who are you trying to reach here? Who do you want me to talk to here? God will tell you. And then you listen, you listen to what he says and then you act. It's not about just working, uh, just operating in the gift right here, but you can operate in your gift at work, school. We need you here. We need your gifts. I want you to know what's, what, what ways God is using you so that you can use your gifts powerfully here. We would love to see God through you here. And so many of you do. We could use more of you. We really could. I want to see God. Does anybody want to see God? I want to see God. I want to see him. I want to see Jesus operate powerfully. 
The most powerful way that I see God right now is through you. Don't hold him back so that we don't get to see him. You're holding God back from us when you don't operate in your gift. Please give your gift to us. We, we need you. So I want to pray, and then we're going to open up the, the altar. If you need to do some business with God, um, seeking after love and, and expressing your desire to operate with him in the gifts that he's given you. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.